Welcome to the Back to Back Pod on the Athletic Podcast Network. This is Nerder She Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour, with Mo DeKeel and Seth Partnow. Are you ready to be entertained? Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Nerder She Wrote. I'm your host, Dave Dufour, joined as always by Mo DeKeel and Seth Partnow. Uh, we want to start out first. We want to talk about the coronavirus and the league's response to it. Uh, we're going to bring in Anthony Slater, our beat writer that covers the Warriors, to talk a little bit about that now. Anthony, this is uh, it's going to be weird. We're going to have empty gyms, and it looks like the Warriors will be the first team to do this. Yeah, I'm actually sitting uh, in Section 122 at Chase Center right now uh, in an empty arena waiting for likely Steph Curry and Steve Kerr to talk pretty soon. Um, and it's weird that this is going to be the state of the game tomorrow. Um, you know, I, I, there's the expectation that media members and stuff like, you know, game night staffers will be around um, kind of helping out the game, just making sure it kind of progresses along. But without fans, you don't really need a hype crew, a dance crew, all that. I mean, it's just going to be a straight up scrimmage that I guess is going to be televised um, and, they're the first to announce it. I'm not sure they're the first to play in an empty arena because there might be a game that happens before it that's announced no fans coming soon because this thing is moving very, very quickly. And, I mean, I'm looking across the arena right now. I mean, there's a workers that are, like, spraying seats with, like, disinfectant. Like, uh, it's, this, it's advanced very quickly uh, really across the world. Is there any indication – as to how quickly the league is going to move to do this with every team. Like, I, I know that, you know, things are kind of happening quickly there. Do you get the feeling that, that the league is just going to sweep through with, with this, this no fan rule pretty quickly? Well, um, there's, you know, as of the time we're talking, there's still supposed to be a pretty uh, monumental conference call between all the really important decision makers and the ownership groups across the league, uh, you know, a bit later today. Um, where I think maybe more you know generalized wide sweeping regulations will will go into effect. The reason why the Warriors have uh, kind of got out in front of it is because San Francisco has been pushing them to get out in front of it. They're in the middle of a homestand. They played a game last night with fans, uh, and San Francisco did not like that very much. They were kind of nudging the Warriors to not have fans last night um, because you know this is a hot spot. The Bay Area uh, is kind of one of the most uh, you know there, there's there's more cases here than, than in many cities across the league. Um, so that's kind of why it's accelerated here. But, yeah, I mean, you look at Italy right now, uh, and, and for a while they kind of went no fans. Now they've canceled their sports uh, or at least postponed them entirely. Um, so I, I'd expect more you know, widespread uh, regulations coming soon. Hey, Anthony, what was the feel last night, though? Like, you know, I saw pictures where it didn't look like they had much of a crowd. What was the feel at the game? I actually thought it was a better crowd than expected. I would say maybe, you know, half full, 60% full, which is, you know, as, as low as we've seen it this year, but it's been a down season for the Warriors, obviously, record-wise. So uh, the crowds haven't been terrific. Um, but, you, you know, you, there's – I would say you sense it more in, like, the conversations you have with people where, like, it's kind of the only topic is, like, wow, where's this going? Hey, you think there might be no fans in the arena Thursday? Um and, you know, there's, like, hand sanitizer everywhere. But the strange thing about what everybody's going through right now is, like, it's, you know, the coronavirus is kind of an unseen thing. You know, you go to these arenas, it visually looks pretty much the same. Sure, there's not as many fans, but it's not like you can 
see something different. You just kind of feel the world kind of shift. Is uh, when you were talking to players yesterday, I know uh, you know the league implemented the six to eight foot barrier. You know the space. Uh, when you were talking to players, uh, did did it seem like they were concerned a- about the league's response up to this point? Not really. They're just uh, the, you know, and it's the Warriors have really only young you know, pretty inexperienced players that are currently playing. Now, Steph Curry is expected to return tomorrow. And like I said, he's, you know, likely going to talk today to us. Uh, and he'll have maybe more of a wider perspective, maybe a stronger stance on some stuff. But most of the guys, you know, we're talking to Marquise Chris. We're talking to Dragon Bender. And, like, some of these guys, that they're not going to, like, come out and be like, well, the league needs to do this, the league needs to do that. They're just trying to survive as, as you know, players. So they're just like, Marquise Chris was like, sure, if they tell me to play an empty gym, fine. That's, you know, an open scrimmage. You know, but I'm, he just basically said, I'm fist bumping people. I'm washing my hands way more than, you know, maybe I previously did. Uh, and I'm kind of just living my life uh, the same way beyond that. And whatever the league tells me, they tell me. Now, I'd be lying if I if I didn't admit that the first thing that popped in my head with the empty gyms was going to be the lack of music during the games. It, uh, have <laughs> have there been any discussions? I mean, not to make light of this, but it did pop into my head. But have there have you talked to anyone uh, with the team or or game ops? Like, are, how are they going to run? I mean, is it just going to be a quiet gym? They're trying to figure that out right now. They're trying to uh, you know just talking to a little bit about you know because i'm like hey am i gonna be allowed in the gym tomorrow you know i'm wondering if media members are and their expectation now is that yes we likely will be and they're talking about maybe you know moving uh you know there's like a little section behind the court road seat or behind the court side seats that maybe they'll move and put some tables down so so the you know attending media members can sit um but i don't i don't know i don't expect music um Again, like they're sorting through that right now. No decisions have been made as we're talking, but I can't. I mean, it it doesn't, especially like during timeouts and stuff. Like the the players don't necessarily like that. That's all for the fans. If the fans aren't here, why have it? Right. It's going to be interesting in terms of advanced scouting because advanced scouts are going to want to hear are going to be able to hear every play call and and, and be on top of that. I imagine they're kind of gleefully looking for this opportunity. Yeah. For um. It, that will be interesting. I'm, you know, beyond scouts, and I know you probably kind of look at it from a scouting perspective. My, you know, I might be dropping some tidbits I wouldn't previously get in my story if, you know, I wish Draymond was kind of playing tomorrow, although I don't <laughs> expect him to. You know, we could hear some of the stuff he's saying out there. But at the same time, doesn't something like the trash talk and, and some of the interactions, it's almost because of the environment, because they're in this, like, you know, like charged up arena that, you know, the fans are kind of juicing them up and they're yelling stuff at, uh, other players because I kind of know nobody can hear it, um, but I don't know. I again, we're kind of we're we're speculating on all the the, the strangeness that will be tomorrow. I'm ready to kind of experience it. I I, I don't know all the nuances and um, I you know what this actually reminds me of. Um, I used to cover Orlando summer league um, where they wouldn't let fans in at all. Uh, right. You know they've now done away with Orlando summer league, and I remember. The, it was a little weird in those so it was very quiet it was pretty much all scouts and scouts don't cheer right they're just sitting there writing notes basically um and i remember like watching mitch mcgarry and he'd be like you know just roaring in celebration it was like oh mitch that's kind of awkward in this you know quiet empty gym he was yelling and like larry bird sitting there like ah that was kind of weird uh right so that's kind of the only event that it reminds me of 
we really appreciate you popping on the show and, and filling us in. I, I know that this is a situation that's fluid and it's going to move quickly. Uh, so, you know, uh, have fun covering it and uh, be safe. All right. Thanks for having me. All right, guys. So I know that everything is kind of coronavirus heavy right now because it is extremely at the forefront of our minds, not just in basketball, but around the world. But there has been basketball and and I would love to, to talk a little bit about it because we are not epidemiologists and I don't want to uh, put out any bad or false information. And so uh, I just uh, implore everybody who's listening to please go uh, find out what the experts are saying and uh, wash your hands. That's uh, that's my only advice. Guys, a lot of MVP and talk. That's our show. Yeah, that's it. That's it for this week. Uh, a lot of MVP talk this week, guys. Uh, h- how are we feeling about that? Seth, how are you feeling about it? <laughs> I, I, it it's sort of like, I, I don't know if we've experienced this recently, but it's like someone, kind of an old head, sort of parachuted in uh, three quarters of the way through the, the contest and said, hey, here I am. And and uh, people pretended that it was a real thing and... and uh, um, and, and here we are now I'm kind of seeing some straw polls that seems like most people who, uh, who are in the voting block are still saying, nah, no, come on. It's still Giannis. I got some numbers. I mean, I think right. Like, see, like I, my only thing, cause this is where it started is me and Seth arguing about this. Yeah. Um, and that is nowhere near where it no, started, but, that, <laughs> but how it ended up on nerder. It's yeah, how it ended yeah. up on this. We literally were like, we're not going to talk about it. Then Seth and I started arguing and then it was like, okay, we're going to talk about this. Um, Which is kind of how we get by the way, that, a lot that, of our That topics. was a little behind the curtain for everybody. That's how the podcast yeah. happens. We start saying we're not going to do it. Then we argue. Then it ends up on the show. Uh, see, like my thing is Giannis is still the MVP, but you can't deny that LeBron doesn't have a case. It's not like well, he's been doing this all year. Like, If I may. Okay. If I may, does LeBron have the best case on his own team? Yes. Anthony Davis is leading the Lakers in scoring, rebounds, steals, blocks, and is an actual defensive player of the year candidate. He absolutely does. Look at the numbers when LeBron comes off the court. Just plain and simple. Just look at the numbers when LeBron comes off the court. Like, the whole thing comes to a screeching halt. Their offense, everything, it just... they They are basically the New Orleans Pelicans of last season with AD... You know, when when he comes off the court, like it, he he, eighty does not have a case at all for MVP. Like, no, that's not even it. Is eighty is AD a top five player? Like, would would he be a tier one player? Top five? No. Are, are we saying are we saying that he is not impacting the games? I mean, he's impacting the games, but it's not like to the point that uh, LeBron is. A lot of the stuff he's getting, a lot of those points he's getting is off of assists from LeBron. A lot of stuff from LeBron creating these things for him off of post-ups, off of pick and rolls and things like that. I mean, AD hit four threes last night, I think. At least two or three of them were off of LeBron penetration and kicking out to him. So it's not so much AD's kind of really forcing as much of the action, as much as this team goes as far as LeBron's going to be able to take them. Seth, uh, is there... Is there a little bit of noise in those on-off numbers? Uh, I mean, there's a little bit of noise in those on-off numbers, but it's pretty stark. I mean, they're 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 getting outscored, I believe, when AD is on the floor without LeBron, and you know they're plus what twelve with LeBron on the court. So, you know, I I I to the extent I agree with Mo on anything, I agree that that LeBron has easily the the best case uh, among the Lakers, um, and and you know. He has a he has a, a pretty solid, easy first team All NBA case, and if he was up against someone putting up a uh, you know a a 
less outliery MVP season than Giannis is, then he'd be in the conversation. But you know, it's he can, you know, if if being in the conversation is the conversation is, you know, who's also having a really good year, then fine, he's in that conversation. If it's if the conversation is which one of these guys is having a better year, um, I just don't see how you can. Unless you're going to say, "Hey, over this one weekend in March, no, you can't, you he can't, had two pretty you can't good do games. that." It's an 82 game yeah. award, no, and, and and I'm not doing that when I say again because I know people are going to come at me. I believe Giannis is the MVP, but I am not mad at anybody that votes for him, that votes for LeBron, you know, for for MVP. Now there are a few people I have questions of their motives. And how they're doing it, how they're getting to it, all the qualifiers and stuff like that is is rubbish to me. But LeBron's been great for the Lakers this whole way through. He's been playing this way the entire season. Like he hasn't slowed down at all. He's been going through just as hard. It's you know they're what two losses behind the the Bucks in the the loss column. Like I know the Bucks are just crushing folks. But like, what are we going to say if you're saying LeBron doesn't have the case if they have the best record in the NBA and he's the best player on that team? I'm not saying he's going to win it, even in that scenario. But he has a case, and I wouldn't be, I wouldn't hold it against anybody that votes for him as you know for the number one spot in the MVP. Whereas like, if somebody voted for AD, I'd be like, yo, you crazy. Giannis should just be playing more minutes. Then is kind of what we're getting at. He he should have made a more definitive case by. By playing more minutes. No, I don't even think that's and, it. And Nobody's, or stat, uh, stat pad. No, I don't think that's the case. His stats are great. It's not has anything to do with that. I mean, look, these are the two best teams in the NBA. Like, they're they're getting right there. I mean, it's, it's, it's fine. I mean, we just haven't... We declared Giannis the MVP in December. Like, let's just be honest with everything. That's what we did. And then we didn't look at anything else. And the Bucs were on a 70-win pace. And everybody was on that train, myself included. And then slowly but surely, LeBron just continues to keep playing, continuing to put up the numbers he's been putting up. The Lakers have been continuing to win. And we just kind of ignored that they were slowly creeping up on the Bucs because it didn't seem like the Bucs were going to slow down at any point, right? Like, it felt like the Bucs were just going to run through. I mean... How, I mean, how many times have you guys just in independent conversations talk about can the Bucks get to 70? Should they try to get to 70? Like the fact that was in the the psyche is kind of how I just sort of we get here. And then all of a sudden, like it only dawned on me a few days ago that the Lakers are right behind the Bucks for the best record in the league. And right behind based on the Bucks losing a couple of games that Giannis didn't play. So that, I mean, that, that, that kind of has to be, I mean, they lost, they lost a couple of games before, before he got hurt. I mean, it's not like it wasn't just that, you know, and, and I'm not using, and please nobody think I am using just LeBron's big weekend as like the catalyst to this. Okay. Listen, so anybody who was honest about this already knew LeBron was the strong second in the MVP race. It's, it's the push to make him first that, you know, is just, I mean, is it just because it's March? Is that where we're at? Uh, there's some yeah, of that. Yeah, I'm sure I, that's I some of it, but it's also... I mean, he's good, and he's having a great year, and he's you know, like he's doing all these things. The Lakers are great. I think the Lakers have a, a just as good a shot as the Bucks making the finals. All of this stuff like is very obvious to anybody who follows the NBA, but the, the narrative push part is, is where the pushback is coming from with me. Spencer Dinwiddie hit a game winner in L.A. last night. Jesus, stop! Is he now the uh, MVP? I wanted, I, Seth, if you were there, I would have. You're stealing my. You're stealing my WWE <laughs> championship belt idea because I think I do think the linear M NBA MVP would be pretty awesome. That's something that uh, people have messed around with before, having like the uh, 
the the uh, linear championship belt, kind of the the team that won the previous season starts with it, and the first team that beats them then uh, carries the belt, and then uh, and then the next team that beats them carries the belt until they lose, and then uh, I used to actually track that the team that had that had held the belt for uh, for for the longest time each season. Um, it wasn't really it wasn't really meaningful. It was just kind of a a sort of a funny thing that tracked a quirk of the schedule. And that's the thing that has kind of annoyed me about the, this narrative is that it's almost wholly based on the Lakers have been, happening to play the Bucks and Clippers over the span of three games. And by the and way, over the span of three days over a weekend. But like they were great. <laughs> I mean, yes. nobody wants to take anything away from them. They were fantastic. Right. Yeah, those were, I mean, those were great wins for them. And then they blew it against the Nets. But uh, I'll be honest, if Seth was sitting next to me, I probably would have punched him after I saw that tweet yesterday uh, with the Spencer Dinwiddie's now the champ. I mean, you know, it's a good thing. I would have broken all my uh, everybody stay away from me rules just to hit him. I'd beat the cat to it. But the, the thing is, like, look. Well, I have hold on. I have receipts, though. I called it the day before, it, except I said it was going to be Joe Harris, not Spencer Dinwiddie. So it's, it's a fun narrative until but when they lose the next game, does that shift it again? And that's but, the that's the silliness of doing of doing this kind of game by game. He went and took it. But, but I'm not but I'm not doing nonsense. that. Like, that's my thing is like I'm also still looking at we do have 18 more games to play. Like there's a whole other slew i think we still have i mean you don't think that if harden i mean if uh excuse me if Giannis destroys harden when they play the rockets in a week or two they're going to be going off you know like i don't think i mean you don't think that's gonna the same thing is going to be at play this is just what we've done every year with the mvp all the time i mean last year there was that late this isn't like last year where harden made that late charge right and it was had that historic run from like january to february and everybody's like oh he should be the mvp like, no, like you were trash from October and, and November and stuff like that. LeBron's been doing this the whole way through. I mean, you know, I don't think there's I, – I, I just find it funny where it's like, oh, we're doing this now. It's like maybe we should have been doing this a little earlier is my point too. Like I, But I think everyone was – like, I mean, LeBron – like this didn't come out of nowhere as far as LeBron being a top five MVP candidate. I think – this, hey, is this is more than that. You know, everyone, like, this is this is about him being in the genuine race for for the MVP, not for not being a top five candidate. We've had a bunch of guys that have floated into the top five candidate: Luka Doncic, Pascal Siakam, uh, Harden was in it at one point, right? Like we've we've had a bunch of guys fly through it. This is the two that it's really going to come down to. And listen, I watch when the voting comes out; it's going to be honest, probably hands down. But there's going to be – it's not going to be unanimous. And at one point, I think we all thought it might be. Okay, listen, that's enough MVP Only talk. Derek Jeter can win ballots. Oh, now. relax. We do not disparage Derek Jeter on oh, this program. Oh, baseball sir. pod. Let's go. I got a lot of opinions. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so so we, we've done uh, some newsy stuff and now MVP talk. So, uh, you know, this has already been a really weird episode of Nerder. It's a weird it, – this is like a weird week. Can, can I actually draw – like – get us back onto a sort of a nerdery topic yes, please, please. Uh, sort of based on based on this um so there's this notion that and it's you know for for individual awards the 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 narrative is is fine like th- those are they're all kind of artificial constructs anyway what is sort of empirically more of a thing is the or not a thing actually is the notion that oh they're playing great they are peaking at the right time and that's not a thing i just want to you know um, uh, someone, someone reminded me that there's been a study that like March play is less predictive of, of playoff performance than any other month of the season. 
Uh, so like, while it may or may not swing awards just in terms of, oh, they're playing great right now, look out for them in the playoffs. That's not a thing. And every year I have to remind people that's not a thing. If there's one point to take away from this, it's that the peaking at the right time thing doesn't actually mean much in terms of going to the playoffs with like two sort of exceptions. And that's like a team that makes a big trade midseason or a team that has like otherwise makes has big roster changes due to injuries or recoveries from injury. So uh, if I can, you know, delve into a, a, a Seth rant because we haven't had one in a while. Uh, that's what I'll say. So no such thing as playing your best basketball going into the playoffs having any sort of effect outside of health and roster additions. It's still your full season of play is still the is still the more predictive thing. So to the extent that you show that you like your level of play in March raises your overall level of play across the season. Yes, it's meaningful. Um, and there, there'll be some teams like the Clippers are a team we've kind of, you know, touched on a lot all year just because of their kind of lineup weirdness all year. Like they're a team that the, the analysis of their, quote, full season of play is you have less confidence in what that, you know, means as far as postseason in terms of predicting postseason performance than you would a more, quote unquote, normal team. But in general, it's you, you look at the, the, the full sample is just better, just more predictive. And this, by the way, there's I, I, this is something that teams fool themselves with on the other end of the spectrum. I mean, you look at the Hawks this year; they ended they ended last season quote peaking, right? And 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 thought that they could carry that forward, and that's not really a thing either. Um, now, well, late for, season, late season is a little bit fool's gold, correct? Because of tanking yeah, and all that. Yeah, it's you're playing some fake games, as as a as some co- a coworker of mine used to used to term kind of those. Those like March games between two teams that are already eliminated. Those are, those are kind of fake games. A great example of of it, Seth, is the Minnesota Timberwolves when they beat the the Warriors a few years back. Do you remember that? Like just before, I think they got Tibbs, and everybody went completely nuts, thinking like they're next. This team's going to be awesome next season. Like that. That's the perfect example of everybody kind of getting too excited for a win in March. That you know about leading in the next season and how that would play out because uh, uh, Minnesota hasn't been so good since then. Maybe one playoff appearance because of Jimmy Butler, but uh, not quite what they were hoping for. Mo, you were telling me before the show started that that uh, you had uh, you noticed something happening uh, to a, a larger degree than than previous seasons. Yeah, so obviously we know teams are playing a lot more drop coverage, right? We get the whole thing we've seen it a thousand times but what's been more prevalent this year from teams is kind of the offensive team when a defense goes into drop coverage the big man who set the original screen it's kind of amazing Dave he he sort of just like seals up the big man and then it just opens up a whole lane you know for anybody to drive uh Daniel Tice has been doing it the most this year but we've seen I've seen it across every team and I think the godfather of it is Marcin Gortat, uh, the Polish hammer, who who really did this a ton in Washington. Uh, friend of the show, uh, Jared Dubin, wrote an article about this a while back. Uh, I'll try to dig it up when we and tweet it out after the show comes out. But, uh, dude, like it's been a fun it's a fun sort of uh, almost like Jurassic Park, like, you know, nature finds a way like it's been a fun sort of evolution of offense kind of figuring out how to really take advantage of drop coverage 
And I'm wondering if you guys are seeing it as much as I am. And then on top of it, you know, what do you think's like the next iteration defensively? Well, the, the first big question is, uh, this is for you, Dave. Is it a screen assist? <laughs> <sighs> you know, I guess technically, yes. Um, it, it is. Is it two I, screen I assists if he screens two guys? Because he hits no, the guard. It's, and then it's only one the, bucket. The, the assist is tied to the bucket. Okay. So, yeah, it would be a screen assist. Um, you know, you, you mentioned Tice being great at it. Brooke Lopez has been uh, fantastic awesome at, at it yeah. for years. And I mean, Brooke, Brooke is like one of the dirtiest players when it comes to this kind of stuff. Dirty as in breaking the rules, not like playing dirty. Um, and he, and he's great at being able to do that and move and, and be in rebounding position. Well, it's almost, it almost looks like they're posting up more than, than screening, right? Like it's, it's literally their back to the defender most of the time. And they just kind of seal them off or, or, or wall them off. And when you look at it, it's like, wow, the the you know the offensive player has a whole lane right down to the basket at this point. Especially if a team tries to go into uh, uh, ice coverage or try to push you away from the screen, because then if they come off that screen, then you're really in trouble. Uh, it's it's pretty fascinating to kind of just watch it how it's sort of slowly crept in, where everybody's beginning to do this more and more. I think we're going to see. Everybody do it come playoff time. I, I, th- I think it's an evolution of something that, like, if now that the kind of the post op is has sort of been gone away a little bit, one of the you know one of the ways to teams had attempted to limit sort of a dominant post player was to front the post. And what's one of the ba- ways you beat fronting the post is you drive yep. the front, yep. right? You basically, and and now it's okay. Well, you're just you're kind of you're skipping the post and just like just having. Having you know Tice turn into like a like a like almost a wedge screen for the the driving guard. Yeah, no, I mean that's a that's a great way of this. That's probably where the whole where it all developed from. I mean it's it's perfect. You know, I think that's a great call there, Seth. And you know, it's just fun. Like, but my let, let me ask you this question though: Is what will this stop teams from going to drop coverages as much? Do you think that's going to force teams out of it? What do you think? How would you as a team try to counter this? Like, you know, are you, are you, you pulling in more help from the, the, the weak side? Like what's, what's your thoughts on that? I think the biggest thing is just the, the, the ball handler defenders got to get over the screen so that the guy can't, I mean, you, if, if you keep the guy going off the screen, then he can't, you kind of need to snake back under the screen to even use that, use that kind of that, that second pick. Right. Right. So if you keep the guy, if a guy's coming off a screen to his right and you can get on his hip and keep him going right, then, then there's not really, you know, the, then, then that guy, then the, 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 the initial screener affecting the, the drop defender can't do it without obviously, you know, fouling right. him, without obviously committing an offensive foul as opposed to only subtly committing an offensive foul the way they're doing it. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, you know, the other thing, too, though, it's just like it also means, like, the guard has got to actually fight through the screen. Like actually, like we've seen, there are way too many guards out there that literally just die on the, 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 before the screen even comes, they're just like, oh, screen's coming. I'm not getting through that. Like it's, it's ridiculous how, how poorly guards are, how bad guards are at getting back into the play after getting screened a little. You know, to your point about maybe seeing a decrease in drop coverage, uh, you know, I actually have noticed more teams not going underneath screens already. And I wonder if that's a part of it is trying to trying to, you know, hook and trail and force that guy basically force that guy into the help 
so that you cut out the ability to set that screen, that that seal screen on the inside. I don't know if that if that plays into it or not, but that is something that I noticed. It seemed like teams this this season are going under fewer screens. That's complete eye test. I don't I don't have the numbers. Yeah, and I think I think the really interesting thing is going to be watching Boston in the playoffs and whoever plays them how they counter that because like as a video guy like there is going to be seven or eight clips in the the first film session of Tice doing it there's going to be a clip every shoot around of Tice doing it there's going to be a clip at every pregame film of Tice doing it like I'm just got to hammer it home to guys of like look this is something that you have to be ready for like I'm going to be really interested and it probably won't be able to see it till playoff time how teams try to adjust to that or, or try to take that away a little bit or, or how they're going to clog the lane in those situations. Like I'm going to be really, I'm fascinated by that. Like that's that stuff that talk about nerd. Like that's all I live Could for. Could you switch it? Could you switch Depends it? Depends on your big, you know, I mean, you know, and that's switching the initial screen, but you know, I think at a certain, you know, right. like if, if, if you didn't, if you didn't nail the switch in the first place, you know, now you're in the, now you're in trouble, right? Like now you're, you're, you're up against it. And that's, that's a personnel situation. I think most teams, if they could switch it would switch, which is funny. Cause like when I first went to San Antonio, like switching was the absolute last thing any team wanted to do, you know? And now it's like the first thing teams want to do is they want to jump right away into being able to switch screens. And it's, it's just funny how the whole thing evolves. And now I'm just, I'm going to be fascinated, man. Like this is, this is mo nerdery stuff. Like this is the stuff I live and die for. So I think the, the, the larger point here is that this is another illustration of how, of how interconnected all these defensive, all, all these strategies are is, you know, we, we just talked about, you know, the drop coverage, but the important thing now is that the, 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 the ball handler defender fighting over and saying attached and blah, blah, blah. And I think that's the, you know, it's not effective. The, the new sort of wave of very effective drop coverage isn't just the big man standing right under the basket. It's him working together so that the ball handler defender is having to work over and, work over the screen and stay connected and not just let the guy like ease into a pull up or even right, ease yeah. into like an open, you know, like a, like a warm up 14 footer or something like that, or just get like a free for the less mobile, you know, big men dropping, get a free run at, at like get at crossing that guy's feet up. Um, it's it both, both parts have to work together for that, that to work. And so that's why, you know, even though it's a copycat league and everyone's going to try that, like, you know, Good luck, Atlanta Hawks, playing an extreme drop system and being effective with it. Right. This is where this is where a team like the Clippers, who have all these wings who are really good at the rear view contest, uh, will have an advantage. They'll, they'll be able to to. I mean, obviously, we know that they've got more versatility defensively anyway, but in particular in, in this sort of scheme. Uh, before we get to that, like Seth, to just touch on your point, like that's actually how the the Spurs used to run it before. You know, it got fashionable to drop your big all the way down. Like that was what we would call center field. Like we didn't call it drop coverage, and it was all Tim just trying to stay. I've heard, I've heard someone, I've heard someone use that nomenclature before. Sh- I'm, I'm shocking. I don't, I don't think you have any past Spurs in your life. Uh, <laughs> but that was it. I mean, that was that was what we learned, and 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 you know, that was kind of that was something I learned when I came to San Antonio and how they were how they were doing it, and it was all dependent on the guard getting back, and if they didn't we would have a constant debate of 
is it on the guard to yell out for the late switch or is it on the big to call for the late switch? And I don't think that debate had ever been settled. I think everybody thought they should be the one to, to call it out. Um, but that's like, it's funny how like now we're going, teams are going back to that. But like that was kind of the original drop coverage. Could could you just switch and zone up? I mean, it, like, which is dropping up, but, but, but couldn't you just zone up like two, three zone? Wouldn't that mitigate the the effectiveness of that of that screen i mean yeah but you when you do that you're giving up stuff right like if 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 you're you got to shoot over the top you're right of it. and that's what and and so then it kind of comes down to like well what team are you some teams you're going to be good with that like with the lakers you probably be good with that because you know their their shooting is kind of suspect you know with uh uh i'd say the rockets but they've been struggling uh with with milwaukee you probably wouldn't be they got enough good shooters where it's like all right that's that could be a problem. So, you know, it's, it's an interesting sort of thing. And that's really, that's really, that's really where coaching comes into play. It's like, what are you willing to give up and, and, and live with? I think the playoffs will be a really interesting test case for if you can actually use a zone as more than like a change up against NBA level players. Um, I think it's something that, that works sporadically for teams now even teams that use it a lot in a game just because of kind of the the nature of the schedule and you show up you're in miami you're in miami and you uh and you play the heat for the first time in a couple weeks and they throw a lot of zone at you and you haven't seen a zone in a couple weeks and it and you know uh whereas you know you're playing them for the fourth time in a week um, you know, you, it's probably a little easier to come up with some, you know, some wrinkles to hit a guy at the nail and then a little high low and you get a layup off of it and, and all these things that you do to collapse a zone that, you know, with just a little bit of, you know, work between games can kind of become second nature and, uh, whether that can sort of maintain its effectiveness past game two of a series. You guys want to get nerdy? Like for real? I got a question. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> Let's go. How come we haven't seen a, a team try the amoeba? <laughs> I mean, is, is that is, is that too nerdy? For, I mean, I know. I like, mean, isn't that I, basically I isn't that basically Boylan's defense? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm serious. It, like, it's, 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 it's a very it's aggre- very ag- aggressive yeah. trapping zone. I mean, yeah. you know, we they. I mean. We've had very aggressive defenses. I mean, remember Bud in Atlanta went to like a heavy trapping style type of stuff. You know what I think it is, Dave? I think it's just too taxing for an 82 game season. You know, it's the same reason why we don't see teams that, you know, do a full court press for all 82 games for all 48 or whatever. I think it's just too taxing. I think it's something you could probably, hey, we're going to throw this in for four possessions and completely mess this team up. And I think that'd be a fun thing to have in your pocket for like the playoffs. Something that right. you kind of work on. I mean, no, Toronto goes to that. Like Toronto will throw that at teams for a quick spurt. Yeah, yeah. Time time. And but Toronto has the depth though. Toronto can yeah. go ten deep, and there's not the the massive drop off uh, in talent from like six to ten that that you might find on a lot of other teams. That's a good point, Mo. The, the value proposition. Also, wearing your, you know, wearing out your guys, you know, your top three players I mean, I, or whatever, I, I, you know, they're going to provide more value being in the game more. That's I think point. that's where Houston's struggling. The other, the other like part is I mean, sorry, that's where Houston's struggling. Like they're they're having to play so hard on defense with with these five small guys that it's like they don't they're, they're generally just running out of gas. Yeah, and the other part is is, is I think it, it's something that as you increase the level of play of the opponent, it becomes less viable. Um, I think. 
you know, as more shooting has come into the league, it kind of becomes less viable because, you know, when Miami, you know, the, the, that did was had a super aggressive defense. I mean, all first of all, they were starting with LeBron and Dwayne right. Wade at their at their athletic peaks, but also like again, you 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 trap you you know you you throw two traps and they throw four passes, and the shot that comes out of it is a baseline eighteen footer. Okay, uh, the shot that comes out of it is a corner three. Mm. The math changes pretty drastically. Right. So I think that that you know, there's just the the risk and the risk reward statement is is also just higher given the amount of shooting. And then thinking about moving towards the playoffs, now you're playing against better teams, and better teams are better because they're better. So they have better and more shooters. So that risk is is elevated even higher. So it's kind of a kind of thing that yeah, you spring it on a random lottery team during a regular season that doesn't have a chance to prepare. It might work. You spring it on like a top five playoff team uh, after they've seen it once, and you know how it, it just. I think it just gets. And then, and out. then also you do it in the the playoffs in game one. You know, in theory, if they're a good team and a good staff by game two, they're they have a plan of attack. And this is why you know we just don't see a lot of gimmicky defense. Although uh, I do think the way Nick Nurse deploys his his zone looks. Um, it's like he's managed to to make the gimmick work to a certain degree because he's it's not just repetitive. You don't know what's coming possession to possession. I mean, Doc does a good job out of timeouts, mixing uh-huh. in his own. Um, just because, and, and he talked about this early in the year, and I I have it in in one of my pieces I've written this season. But like Doc has, you know, he's he literally just makes a point of like, look, they drew up a play. I'm gonna drop a zone, see if their play can still work. You know, it's just kind of let's let's see what happens because it's true. Like sometimes the play might work against the zone, but as soon as the guys see a zone, they just start to freak out. If especially like as Seth was saying, they may have not seen a zone for two weeks. You know, and, and they may not have seen a zone for years. years. You know, at this point, I feel like everybody's seen it just because yeah. enough teams have done it in the past two years in the NBA. But still, like as soon as they see it, they go, "Oh, it's zone." another play <laughs> just get to the hypo like they just immediately call it off so i think doc does a good job but nick nurse is the is is the guy to watch in terms of just the way he deploys all of his tricks you know best coach best coach in the league best coach in the league no right argument now. for me yeah until they lose uh, right? right and then and then it's somebody <laughs> then then whoever beats him gets the title <laughs> oh man if we could have a coach championship belt that would be even better but you have to wear it while you're coaching. can we get a podcast championship belt uh no, i have one in my office Le- legit have one in my office but not for podcasting uh all right so uh let's let's wrap it up uh uh i'll start with mo uh what are you what are you paying attention to this week that's not related oh, to yeah, whether yeah, fans yeah, are in yeah, the yeah. arena or not um this is going to be selfish but i'm I've made the switch, gentlemen, from the Android to the iPhone. And, <laughs> uh, I, as I will be watching a ton of games, we got Houston Lakers coming up. Uh, New Orleans is coming into town, so I'm all in on that stuff. But I'm going to be honest. I'm probably going to be trying to figure out how to work the iPhone for the the next 24 to 48 hours. And we're just hoping for the sake of our group text that that producer God, Mike Smeltz, makes the switch at some point, too, so that you know we can all be on the same page here uh, mike it's hard dude it's a hard day man when you make that switch it's tough dude that anybody who's made that switch i mean i had a very tough day yesterday with my phone seth what about you yeah i got nothing <laughs> yeah I, McMillions. I it, we're at that 
well, we're at that point, right? Like teams are going to be getting eliminated and um, it's time to start thinking about summer for, for a lot of these teams. And that's kind of where the focus is going to go. Um, my, my hope is just we're, we're watching everybody get to the playoffs healthy. Uh, I don't want to see any more injuries. The, the Giannis knee thing, you know, I, I know that they're saying he's okay. Still always still scary. Me a little always bit. scary. Uh, I just don't, you know, I don't want to see any, any, like I, we have a lot of great seasons happening right now from, from, a, from some really interesting teams. And I, I'm hoping we can make it to the playoffs with everybody unscathed and, and actually uh, get to see what it looks like, f- you know, for the first time in a long time with the contenders healthy. Yeah. So cool. Well, that's going to do it for nerded this week. And uh, you know, everybody stay safe, keep your hands clean and don't touch your face.